you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, I'm going to read from verses 17 to 35. And once you get there, if you would, let's stand together as we read from God's Word. This is the Word of the Lord. Now from Miletus, he, Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, and they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your guidance, your care, your love, your mercy, your provision. We pray that you bless this time this morning as we listen to the words of Paul and consider them for this pastor, this church, and what you have for them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to be careful right at the start. The title of this is an apostolic charge. I am by no means claiming to be Paul in this position. Um, I am not going to Jerusalem. Spirit has told me nothing about the end of my life. Um, I, yeah, all that stuff. But, but one thing is, is there, and you, you can hear it, not so much stated, but it's, in, it's everywhere in that text. Paul was someone who loved this congregation. As Matt, I, I share with Matt similar sentiments. This is, you guys are precious to us in, in ways I can't describe, and we've been here a handful of times, but I've known some of you for a long time, but, but even the times I've gotten to spend here, this is, a, this is a meaningful day to me. I'm so happy for you guys. 
even as it means that I don't know when I'll get to preach again, so I, I hope not often, because I want Evan to have good health and, and be here a long time. But it has been an honor and a privilege and a joy to be here every time I've gotten, and it's an honor and privilege and a joy to be here today. Um, I love you guys. You are very close to me, and I'm so excited for this day to come. I appreciate that. <laughs> we turn into a concert here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but Paul says some things in here that I think are, are, are helpful. Um, they, they, they lend themselves easily, easily to, to some mental pictures that I think frame this day well and what this day means and, and what, what Evan is stepping into and what you guys are welcoming into and how to think about this. This is, in many ways, a fresh start. This is Learning, learning to do things well and, and learning to maybe un, learn from lessons from the past. And this is a great opportunity to, to start on a good foot and to set a course that God will truly bless. And, and so I want to call attention to a few things here. The first has to do with, with Paul's description of the relationship between the pastor and the church. It's just here contained in verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. As I was thinking about this message, and even as we were gathering with the, the other brothers ahead of time to, to do all the Presbyterian what you do to make this official, um, I, I keep feeling like I'm in a premarital counseling type setting where I'm bringing two parties together. The... the Image of marriage breaks down at a certain point, but not completely. Evan is here by the vote of the congregation, according to the recommendation of the pastoral com uh, committee, with the thumbs up from the presbytery to be your pastor. And all of that is, is under the larger work of the Spirit in making him pastor here. God wants Evan here to serve you as pastor, even while we did all the horizontal stuff. That's important. It's important for us to realize. It's, it's an amazing thing to realize that, that through the time of waiting, through all the things that, that have gone on in between, that God was preparing this man and this family for this church at this time, and vice versa, preparing you for him. He's done all this. He's brought this together. But, but it's also important, and this is to you particularly, this is God's church whom he loves. This is his daughter. He loves, he provides, he cares for, he's protected, he's grown. He, he loves this church. And like a father with a daughter, he is indeed handing this church to you, but, but that comes with some weight. This is his church. And in, in, to, to make that into a charge form for both of us, Evan, this is not your church. It is your church. It's not your church. This is God's church. And it is very easy for us as pastors to forget that distinction. You are not free to do whatever you want. But you are free to care for, to love, to lead, to guide, to protect this church as though it was God's, which it certainly is. Grace, he is your pastor, but he is not your employee. God has set him here. You have a responsibility to listen and to follow, to, to pray for, to support in any way you can. 
Here's the problem. Those are two really strong truths. And where our minds tend to go is, but what if X happens? Because, no offense to Evan, he's not perfect. And as much as I love you, Grace, you're not perfect. None of us are. The problem is that we forget that very easily. And we want Evan to be a perfect pastor, and Evan will want you to be a perfect church. And if we don't realize that we are less than, we will not show grace. We will not show mercy. We will not endure. We will not hope or bear or, for, or overlook. We will turn against each other. We will distance ourselves from each other. We will not work as a church. So we need to remember whose we are. Evan is not only your pastor, he is God's son. This church is God's church, his bride, he loves. And even as we come into this new relationship where you truly do belong to each other, you are not each other's property. We belong to God. And it's to him that we owe our obedience in how we relate to each other. Second thing I want to notice here is, is the description of the work. There are two words in here, in this passage, in verse, in verse 28 again, that help define the work of the pastor. This is important for Evan to, to consider. It's also important for you to keep in mind with your expectations of what he should be, what kind of a pastor he should be. The first one is, is overseer there. It's where we get the word for bishop, episkopos. Um, I'm not really interested in that word because that's, that's fairly self-explanatory and actually is sort of a lead into the more important word here. He is in charge of, he is a manager of, but that's not all a pastor is. The key word is the next one that he says, which I love the ESV and I, with all due respect and fear and trembling, I'm going to disagree with their translation. The word here says care. The Greek word says shepherd. And shepherd is far far more than caring. You can care at a distance. You can care through text and email. You can care in your heart without any relationship. But a pastor is called to shepherd, to know his people, to know their names, to know their stories, to know their weaknesses and their strengths, where they live. Not in a creepy way, but, but in the relational way that he understands who it is that he's pastoring. He is not pastoring City Church in Eugene anymore. He is not pastoring Tim Keller's church. He is not pastoring somebody else's church. He is pastoring this church. And in order for him to do that, he needs to know you well. He's know what you're like, what your tendencies are, where you are susceptible, where your strengths are, how, how to push you, how to comfort you, he needs to know you. That's way beyond caring. I think you'll agree. And that is the work here. And I, I've heard good things already about how he has already begun to make those steps. But he's to know his sheep. And he's to care for his sheep. And that care involves all sorts of things. Guiding and providing food through preaching of the word, through, through key moments of meetings where he shares wisdom from the word, where he prays for people. He defends you. He defends you against false doctrine out there, against false doctrine in here, against people who would tear apart the church from the outside, and those who, whether intentionally or not, would tear it apart from the inside. His responsibility is to maintain, or to help maintain, with God's help, the peace and purity of the church as a shepherding function. 
that does not put all of you on watch for being a danger, but is a necessary role that he has to, he has to maintain and to see through with the help of those around him. And he's to care for you. He's to comfort you, to weep with you and to rejoice with you, to be a part of your lives. And so with that in mind, Paul calls these elders to pay attention, to be alert. And this goes again with knowing his people. You need to know both what, the different ways in which his flock can be attacked. Um, just reminded this week, um, my wife got a text from uh, U.S. Postal Service. Hey, we couldn't deliver a package. We put in, in, uh, we're holding it in a certain locker, but can you contact us and give us some information? There's scam artists out there that know the weaknesses of people that will see something from the U.S. Postal Service and think nothing on clicking on something that will give up everything that that scammer shouldn't have. They know where we're weak. We know, they know where we're not on guard. They know our tendencies and our weaknesses. They know our hurts and how to exploit them. It's the pastor's role to know where his church is vulnerable, whether it's false doctrine or conspiracies, political preferences, social preferences, music preferences, food preferences, coffee preferences, seating preferences. The list just goes on. To know those things, to know where there is sin and what kind of sin and how they are fighting, to know where there is fighting and disagreement, where there is divisiveness, to be aware of those things, to have, his pul- to have the pulse of those things. The difficulty with, with the kinds of dangers that threaten the church is that we don't always see them coming. Our guard is down because we ought to, as a church, trust each other implicitly. We ought to believe that here we are, professing Christians, ought to believe and act like professing Christians. But for anybody who's been a Christian more than, say, about three years knows Christians can destroy the church. And they're not the bad Christians. They're the good ones. The Bible study leaders, the pastors, the committee leaders, the coffee ladies, whomever, any of us, can divide the church. And we're always surprised, aren't we, when it happens? Because we don't expect it. But we're called to keep watch. And not, I was talking with Steve and Pat this morning, I, 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 was, in, I was brought up in a different tradition that said, literally, feed the, feed the sheep, shoot the wolves. You can imagine where that goes. Um, there is many steps before we get to any sort of final dealing with the wolves. But wolves not only come up of their own, they can sometimes be generated by unwise leadership or unwise Christians. But we need to be looking out for each other, challenging each other, holding each other accountable, watching out for each other. Otherwise, it can, like a disease, spread. And it is a perpetual threat. Keep watch. Allow Evan to keep watch. Give him the space to do that. Give him the ability to to do his work as a watchman well. It's hard at times to be challenged on things, to be challenged on beliefs, to be challenged on convictions. I think we talked about that, didn't we? I was here and preached on Romans 14 and 15. That the convictions we have, what are we to do with them? Divide the church? Keep them between us and God. 
to hold those things humbly. Evan is charged with maintaining the peace and purity, and that includes our convictions that can sometimes go awry, and divide and disrupt and so forth. It's a hard job, and, and I hope that in laying these things out, you see the weight that comes with that. I believe, I trust that Evan wants to fulfill this role as faithfully as possible. That is why he's here. He stands before God, having committed that, having committed himself to that. That is his purpose. He needs you to pray for and to encourage and to support him. Because that's a hard job. And there'll be times where it won't be received well. That won't always be successful. But that is his, that is his need, and that is, his, that is what he needs, and that's what he needs from you in terms of support. And then finally, Paul closes this way with two commendations. Verse 32, I commend you to God. Evan, above all else, God is with you and God is for you. Ministry is hard. And it's hard not just because people are hard, it's hard because we are slow and we are weak and we make mistakes. We put ourselves out there day after day after day trying to do our best and it is hard to face the fact that we don't always do it well, that we make mistakes. And it's hard not to take that personally and begin to question yourself, why am I here? What am I doing here? <laughs> How can I continue to preach? How can I continue to counsel after this failure, this setback? You are God's man here and he is for you. And he is with you. And he has indeed called you here. That is your hope. That is your strength. You have a family that I trust is fully supportive of you being here. But God is your rock and your salvation and your fortress. And I commend you to him. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will fill you with the grace that you need and the wisdom that you need and the discretion that you need to lead this church well. Give you the heart that you need to love this people like he loves his people. I commend you to God. And the second thing that he does, and this is an interesting little phrase, Paul commends them to the word of his grace. There's only one other place where this appears in Acts, and Luke is describing the preaching of the gospel. It can be kind of a shorthand for the Bible, and certainly the Bible is important as a tool for the pastor to lead and faithfully guide his and care for his church. But I think there's a specific, following from chapter 14, there's a specific thing here where Evan, not only commending you to God, but commending you to the truth of the gospel itself, that as a, as a sinner, you need grace, and God has overflowed in grace for you. That, that forgiveness is full and rich and deep, that who you were, what you've done, has been separated from you as far as the east is from the west. That God's love towards you, his favor towards you, is expressed through the gospel. And again and again, as you continue to learn how to pastor this church, keep coming to the cross. Where grace is broadcast through Christ to you and affirmed to you. Rest in God's love for you. Rest in his saving mercy towards you and the word of his grace. Friends, happy day. A new year, a new beginning. I cannot wait to see where this goes. I cannot wait to see what kind of a pastor God makes of Evan. I cannot wait to see what kind of a church God makes of you going forward. This is not a, 
This is not a turning from the past. You've had a great past as a church. You had a faithful pastor at this church for many, many years and a great history. But this is a new year. There are new opportunities. Who knows who God will bring to you? Who knows what doors God will open? Allow yourselves to let God lead towards the future, building on the past, and not trying to either return to the past or against the past. But let me pray for you. Let me bless you. Um, I'm going to turn it over to my brother to lead you in his first Lord's Supper here. Lord, we praise you for your goodness. Your wisdom is unsearchable. In, in all the ways in which we have tried to faithfully work through this season of, of shepherdlessness, all the things that the pastor's search committee did, all the things that this church has, has gone through and waiting for this moment, yet you have been faithful all the way along, and today you've provided them with a new shepherd. I pray for your blessing on him. Lord, give him the grace and wisdom and knowledge and understanding and compassion for this people that he needs to faithfully lead this church. May he grow and continue to grow and mature in this. I pray for this church, Lord, with, with the other brothers who are here, we praise you for them. They are a dear body of brothers and sisters. Uh, we love them, and we are happy and excited to give them to this pastor. Bless them. May they be willing to go where you lead. Uh, may they be willing to, to push themselves into new areas and opportunities of, mystery, uh, of ministry. May, may they learn new things about your grace and mercy, that they may give that to each other um, and also have a deepening heart, Lord, for this community that you have placed them in. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Bless this church. In Jesus' name, amen.